Welcome back to another episode of Laser Graves. I am your co-host, E.K. Wimmer. Hey, E.K. Wimmer. I'm Mariah Rose. Hey, Mariah Rose. How are you doing? I'm great. How are you? Doing pretty well. Um, welcome, everybody. It's the holiday season. We're in between holidays right now. Yeah. Squeezed it's... like uh, we're in the butt crack of the holidays. Yeah, we're dripping out the bottom right now. <laughs> um, yeah, it's a flurry of holidays right now. Really, it's just the two. Yeah. Well, if you're joining us for the first time, welcome. This is a podcast about the 80s. We are not doing a Christmas episode. We aren't? This? Oh, is no, not no. A... Okay, you do know what we're doing today, right? Yep. Okay. It's not Christmas themed? <laughs> I mean, I guess it depends on who you ask. Yeah. Um, you know what's funny is this is a big episode for us. Is it? This is episode 150. Holy guacamole. That's a lot of episodes. It is. You know what's crazy is when I listen to our friends over at Bad Taste, they're way up there in the 200s now. Mm -hmm. And they had started a few months before us. But when we went to two times a month instead of every week, it's kind of shocking how much our episodes slow down. Yeah, but our mental health increased. <laughs> it's true. Like We're much happier mm -hmm. with fewer episodes. Yeah. And when thinking about how we would celebrate 150 episodes, you would think we would do something like really special and popular or whatever. I don't know. Some deep dive on something. But nah. I feel like we pulled a real laser graves here. <laughs> it's just par for the course. Yesterday was our 25th anniversary and we did nothing to celebrate it. But it's 25 years as a couple. We started dating when we were babies. FYI. I could... Um, Go back on a little on that. We did something to celebrate it. Oh, yes. I taught a class and you took our daughter to a performance. No, more importantly, we watched this week's episode, <laughs> Robot Holocaust. <laughs> In a dead city on a dying planet, the last vestiges of civilization struggle for survival. beings enslaved by robots each time we have tried to escape the dark one has taken away the air we breathe stripped of their dignity they are forced to fight oh. to the death for the pleasures of their mechanical rulers oh. Kill him. i have been sent here by the rebel society from what you call the wastelands we are organizing an army to destroy the Dark One and his forces at the power station. The Dark One and his army of robots control the only source of breathable air in this hostile wasteland. Take him to Nine. Now, a small band of rebels dare to enter the domain of the Dark One. I have never been this far before. What lies ahead is unknown to me and battle their way past his death traps. They are in the vault of thieves. They have no chance of survival. creators of breeders robot holocaust the future is in their hands okay robot holocaust 1987 this is a first time watch for you it was this is not a first time watch for me watched not surprising. it surprising several times um it's a personal favorite i really enjoy it this is a wizard release I don't have a lot of wizard tapes. Those are harder to come by. And there's not a lot that I'm after, actually. I have most of the ones I want. Um, Zombie and Zombie Lake. But there's a couple more I'm still after. This is a good one. This one uh, is part a, of a series of films that came out in the mid-80s by writer-director Tim Kincaid, who did this masterpiece. Oh. So mm -hmm. let me, before we get into anything, let me tell you a little bit about Tim Kincaid. Please. Who is the man behind the mystery? He's like so many 
so many directors of movies that we cover on Laser Graves. <laughs> just basically a porn director that decided to make a movie. Mm-hmm. Isn't that funny how often that happens? Surprising, though, because there's not a lot of nudity in this. No, not at all. But There's I, some. It is kind of funny, though, that how often we love a movie and then we look at the director and we're like, oh, this is like the one normal film he did. Mm-hmm. This one, so he, he did a bunch of porn. Then he stopped in the mid-80s to do four films for that were produced by Charles Band. This is before Full Moon. So this is when Charles was doing Wizard Video. So Tim signed on and did four films in a row and then basically went right back to doing porn and, and has ever since. He's got like 60, 70 titles under his belt. But in the mid-80s, for a very brief moment, he stopped what he was doing. And he made four really great movies, two of which we own, two we don't, and I would like to own. The first one he did was in 1986 for Charles Band, and that was called Breeders. And we have not owned that or seen it. It's been one on my list for a long time. Just never got my hands on a copy. We haven't seen that? I don't think so. Although it's probably one of those films that when we start watching it, we'll go, oh yeah, we've definitely seen it. I feel like I've seen it. I don't know. And then in 87, he did Robot Holocaust. Mm-hmm. Same year, he did Mutant Hunt. Both Wizard releases. I have both of those. I got them from my friend Bruce maybe like last year. I don't know. I got them off of him. But really great tapes. And then the final one was in 88. That's called The Occultist. But that wasn't released by Wizard. That was released by uh, Unicorn Video. And that's a much harder one to come by. But our friend Grizz has seen it and said... Um, it's a very much an EK film, so oh. <laughs> I have to get my hands on it at some point. But that's the four that he did. And then I think he did like one or two other normal films. And then everything else got like 80 plus titles on IMDb and they're all, all the rest are porn. Oh. But um, I'm really glad he took a break because <laughs> the films that I have seen by him are so much fun, including this one. All right. So that's what we're dealing with. That's our writer-director, and we know our producer. We're very familiar with Charles Band. Charles Band fan. If you guys don't know, um, the two main distribution companies I collect for VHS are City Lights, which did Dance or Die, we covered on the podcast. Oh, yeah. Have we done another City Lights yet? Oh, we did Epitaph. Yeah. Oh, that's such a good one, too. We should do um, Death by Dialogue. You would really love that one. I... Is it a lot of dialogue in that movie? No. And okay. it's really fun. It's super fun. And it also has the chick from um, Dr. Alien and uh, Dr. Caligari, the the main patient. Huh. She's in it. So we should cover that one at some point. Let's okay. do that one. You'd like it. I don't feel a sense of urgency, but at some point. Well, yeah, sure. <laughs> and then besides City Lights, the big, <laughs> the big dirty secret is I collect Full Moon. And I went what down that it? rabbit hole that I thought was going to be like, oh, yeah, I'll just do this. And then it just got crazier and crazier. And then I found myself questioning everything, all the decisions I've made in my life. Yeah, I've questioned them, too. And part of that has been, well, where do you stop? Like, where do you draw the line in the Full Moon collection? And a lot of people say, well, you have to collect all of Charles Band's films then, which would include pre-Full Moon, which was all the Empire films and the Wizard releases. And that's, no, that's just dumb. Who's I, saying this? Basically, anybody who gets a, a, gets a kick out of um, reminding me how dumb I am for collecting all the Full Moon. They're like, oh, well, you should really go all in. I have to, I have to keep my sanity. So... Although I do have a lot of the Charles Band productions that he did with with Empire and stuff, I, I'm not going to do them all. But this is one of them. So we're very familiar with this universe. We we're are. so familiar that it's not a surprise. This was also covered at one point by Mystery Science Theater 2000. We, remember when we first started our podcast mm-hmm. and we thought we were picking all these movies that people hadn't like really discussed? Yeah. Only to find that we were basically just covering every episode of Mystery Science the- Theater. Like, uh, I didn't realize it, but they, we have very similar tastes. We do. It's fine. It's fine. We've got our own spin. Our own really cool, different, super cool spin. 
Yeah, well, let's spin a let's spin an episode with Robot Holocaust. Ugh. First time watch. I'll wait until the end of the episode to ask you what you thought of it. Please do. I think I have a pretty good idea, though. Okay, okay. You're a lot of chuckling under your breath. <laughs> this was a... Yeah, we'll get to it. So let's just dive in here. Yeah, sure. Shall I don't we? know how many people have seen this. I strongly encourage people to check it out if they're into really dumb sci-fi. We're going to spoil it, but also don't worry about it. You'll still be able to watch it after listening to this episode. Yeah, and disclaimer, we haven't done a... Well, maybe we have. I don't remember the last one. We haven't done a post-apocalyptic film in a while. And that's like my bread and butter. And so this one, (laughs) this is kind of for me personally... It's like a top shelf post-apocalyptic. It's good. It checks all the boxes of stuff I love about it. I've been in like a post-apocalyptic like uh, zone lately. My brother bought me Lucifer's Hammer, which is a post-apocalyptic book. I think maybe it's from the 80s. I don't know. Dude, that's a title. That's like a full metal title. It's really cool. I'm super into it. Almost done with it. Maybe you'll read it. Maybe we'll cover it. I'd really like to read it. It was done when? I don't know for sure when it was done. It's not 80s though? I don't think it is. Let me pause. So it's 1977. Yeah, sorry. It's off limits. Oh, please. We time travel. We can't time travel a book, can we? Why not? It's our podcast. That's true. We can time travel a book. (laughs) Yeah. It's really good. Obed on it. It's going to happen. Okay. Anyway, I'm in the post-apocalyptic mindset now. So much, in fact, that I've started like doing some doomsday prepping. This, This movie just put me over the edge. Yesterday... I took a pumpkin, harvested it, pureed it, saved the seeds for obviously the impending apocalypse. Uh Uh-huh. And then I made a soup. Very nice. Thank you. But one of the pumpkin shells, when I roasted it, turned hard. And I was like, could this be a helmet? Oh, a pumpkin helmet? (laughs) (laughs) Isn't there like a photo of a cat wearing a pumpkin helmet? Probably. Okay. I mean, the internet's a wide place. I, I feel like there probably is. You know what? If ever there was a movie to have pumpkin helmets, it would have been Robot Holocaust. Yes. I'm kind of sure. shocked nobody had a pumpkin helmet on. I also like how you circled back to the actual point of this episode. Yeah, it was bringing you back home. I, I appreciate it. Okay. I appreciate you. Let's get into this one. Okay. This is this is a fun one. So we begin in the Robot Rebellion of 33. <laughs> Naturally. I don't know what century, but the year is 33. <laughs> The scene opens in like a dilapidated warehouse where two men are wrestling in loincloths as others watch. This wrestling scene goes on for a pretty long time, doesn't it? Yes. And the people watching, they're air slaves. What? I love all of the terms that are created. You know, we. I love any movie that creates its own language. Mm-hmm. You know, like when they use all the English words for everything else but for some reason they have to come with come up with some random word for one thing our favorite is um land of the dead george romero's land of the dead when they talk normal through the entire film but for some reason they refer to fireworks as sky flowers I, i love it and so with this it's so funny that they all talk completely normal but for some reason have to have these terms that they use you know what it's though? great i love every part of it we're all air slaves we are kind of all air slaves aren't we we're slaves to oxygen yeah and that's what these people are air slaves so we should note that there is throughout this entire movie an occasional narrator it, he just kind of pops in and doesn't clarify much i mean he kind of does i like it it's kind of like the wonder years uh, okay <laughs> I, I mean there's an idea there's a narrator but the narrator it's like who is he i don't know i feel like he's a survivor okay like he's reminiscing so the narrator does at least manage to convey that the land has been taken over by robots the air is poison and the ruler of the robots is known as dark one mm-hmm. there are outlaws and there are rebels who have acclimated to the poisonous air uh, generally, though, most of the folks are living, I think it's supposed to be underground. Yeah. <laughs> they they do say underground, and these people have access to air via Dark One, and these people are f- doing forced labor for oxygen. So they are the air slaves. Are they just all under Central Park in New York? I don't know. And actually, really quick, 
This week's fun fact. Oh, snap. So, yeah, I know. It's it's early, but you called it. New York. And if you're wondering, was this really filmed in New York? Yes, my friend. And you can tell because the skyline is visible. <laughs> Man, I love the idea of the people wearing the costumes in this, running around Central Park filming this. Get out of here. Man, the 80s. What a magical time. New York, after the fall of New York, remember we did an episode on that? I don't know. Talk about top-tier post-apocalyptic. Remember it was that Escape from New York ripoff? Oh. The mm-hmm, Italian one? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So good. That was fun. Really good. Okay, so here, there's no doubt we're in New York, but they call it New Terra. Oh, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> so we have our men fighting in loincloths. It's clear, though. Uh, this fight is for the entertainment of robots. The men have no beef with each other. <laughs> So, one robot who's here, I don't know why he's here, he's known as a free bot. So, he's not, like, working with Dark One, he's a free agent. Free bot. His yeah, name... Yeah, we've got free bots and air slaves so far. Mm-hmm. And this, this free bot is, uh, he's a solo robot, and his name is Clayton. Yeah. Which is sort of like the name Clayton, but said with an Australian accent. Clayton. 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 Hey, Clayton, your flight's been delayed. <laughs> So it just so happens that at this exact moment, a rebel named Neo appears. I do like that his name is Neo. I know. Like, look out, Matrix. Robot Holocaust did it better and first. They did. It's true. He's new. He's Neo. He comes across this scene. So he's apparently underground. I don't know. And he gets the scoop from Clayton because... Clayton? Clayton. What kind of scoop does he do? He does a telepathic scoop. Oh, no. Oh, no. Okay. No, we can't do that. No. I can't unhear Clayton. Clayton. It's K- How do you spell it? K-L-Y-Ton. Clayton. Clayton. Clayton's from Australia for sure. <laughs> so we're, we're over, his name is overarching or overreaching, and we're forgetting that the important issue here is that Neo is able to communicate telepathically, at least with robots. Yeah, why can he telepathically speak with robots? I don't know, and the scene's so long. He's just, like, staring. Yeah. As he, like, thinks hard, I guess, and the robot's like, "Uh uh-huh, uh-huh, and, And like, communicating. The robot does not have an Australian accent, sadly. It sounds like it's straight out of a Mel Brooks movie. It f- He feels like a character from Spaceballs. Well, yeah. I mean, he's based on, like, the Star Wars universe. He's like a droid. I mean... Well, it's... but he's got that comic relief. I think that was the aim. Well... I mean, it was pretty funny. I mean, this whole movie is comic relief if we're, <laughs> if we're splitting hairs here. So we have some telepathic conversation happening and our loincloth men continue to wrestle. So we're like 10 minutes in here, I think. And these men are still wearing <laughs> loincloths and wrestling. It's kind of amazing when you think about all that we've just revealed of... The, the backstory, the wrestling, robots, tele, you know, telepathic conversations. This film delivers right away. I also, because we've done so many post-apocalyptic films, I really appreciate when they lay out how we got to where we're at up front. Oh, that's the narrator. Yeah. His gift to us. He just lays it all out. So we really know how we got put in this situation, whether or not it makes sense at all. No. We still know how we got here. Here we are. Here we are. Here we are. And these men continue to wrestle. But now the other air slaves begin to chant, no winner. And this is when we meet Valeria. Valeria. So this is one of the reasons I wanted you to watch this film, because I I feel like I've known you for a while. You've known me. And I feel like you latch on to certain movie characters and you enjoy them. Mm-hmm. And the moment I saw her step onto screen, especially the moment she opened her mouth for the first time, I thought, <laughs> oh, if ever there's a Mariah character, this is one of them. She's special. She's it's very a, special. A special acting situation that's happened here. Yes. Um, 
Let's just say that. She's... Do you want to describe her? Yeah. Is she German? She's something. She's French and German. Oh, she's French. Well, there's... I don't know if she's faking an accent. No, she's not faking an accent. She's got an accent. But is she a German faking a French accent or a French faking a German accent? She is a mystery. We do not need to unlock these secrets. Okay. Her name is Valeria. So it doesn't really, I guess, matter. Maybe she's from Alsace-Lorraine. Oh, yeah. Isn't that like the German-French area? Yeah, they keep fighting over it, and her accent is uh, a representation of that battle. Okay, so she's got this really thick accent. She's got a very sassy delivery with everything she does, which I love. That's French. She kind of shakes her head, and her body language is always shaking. She dresses with these cool, like, tights and boots um she's really pretty she's like the evil she's like an evil i don't know you can't call her a sorceress but no um you know your cliche if you were watching like a sword and sorcery movie and there would be the evil queen it's kind of like that but she's not a queen she's like the second in command yeah all black when she enters her first scene she's got like a really long mohawk of feathers yeah it's pretty cool it's a lot. It's a lot to take in. The accent and her acting. I just, you have to watch this for yourself to really understand that her acting carries this movie. It's re- Yeah, she's definitely like when she's on screen, you're paying attention just to hear what is coming out of her mouth because it's always, and also her reaction to the dark one, because let's just get this out there and, and up front. Okay. So she's kind of the 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 right hand of the dark one, but yeah. the dark one constantly through the entire film threatens her with Valeria, if you don't do this, there's going to be trouble. But she's very flippant about it. She's like, "Oh, don't worry." I don't know. <laughs> no, I want to hear it. No. How about let's do a scenario. I'll be the dark no, no, one and you but, be Valeria. No. No way, that's not happening. But I will say, she is a little bit like Tommy Wiseau. Wiseau, Wiseau. From The Room? Yes, because she has this strange, unplaceable accent. You know what? Her delivery is really similar to... Yeah, because she's like... I could be her... I could could definitely see her be like, Oh, hi, Dark One. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, hi, Dark One. <laughs> I do I really do love <laughs> the back and forth between them though constantly because she's always supposed to be stopping the people that we're going to be talking about in the yeah. future and he's always super upset with her for not stopping them it's really really good dialogue it's and she's not oh, keep in mind the dark one is not on camera no it's just a voice coming down from the you know nowhere valeria valeria if you do this you'll be in trouble he's like a parent with no follow-through yeah oh and then he pushes her we'll get there okay so valeria she's the babe works for the dark one so she sees what's happening with the we're back to the air slaves they're all chanting no winner and she's like nope there's gonna be a winner and she cuts off the air because she can yes. do it instantly. And they're like the whole room filled with the air suddenly out. And all the people are like, oh, no. And so they start falling and everybody falls to the ground except two, two humans, a father and a daughter. Yeah. And they remain standing. Yes. Let's stop for a second and discuss the scene where the air gets cut off and everybody falls to the ground. Yes. Tell me your thoughts. Well, first off, this happens a few times in the movie. (laughs) And we notice that they lose all oxygen for like five, ten minutes at a time and then come back completely normal. They're fine. And they also instantly lose the oxygen. Like it's just pulled from the room. Yes. Like I feel like if you turned off the oxygen, it'd take a while for people to notice and then slowly like collapse. Okay. So this... This scene got me thinking. Oh. Because the, what was um, Clayton? Clayton. I had to think of it in an Australian accent to remember his name. <laughs> uh, you know, Clayton, he reminds... Hold on. Oh, no. I've got to get out of it. You adjusted in your seat. <laughs> I, can't, I can't not say his name and do it in Australian. This is driving me crazy. Just go for it. Anyway, remember how I said he reminds me of the Spaceballs droid? Yes. That is played by Joan Rivers. 
Also, this scene. Do you remember in Spaceballs when they suck all the oxygen oh, yeah. out? And everybody instantly falls down? Exactly. I thought, wait, did Mel Brooks see Robot Holocaust <gasps> and get some of these scenes from it? Which came first? Take a guess. This. This by one year. I am going to throw it out there that I wouldn't put it past him that he saw this and used a little portion of it. Because the way in which the oxygen gets cut off and they immediately fall down. I'm sure that's happened in other sci-fi movies. But there's something very comical about it. It's very funny. That feels very Spaceballs to me. It's funny. Okay, so back to our father and daughter who remain standing when everybody else collapses. They look down, and the dad's like, quick, pretend. So they pretend, yeah. but it's incredibly well, no, obvious. Just the daughter pretends. He stands there very defiant. I'm thinking, why didn't you fall to the ground? What's he could have happening? avoided. This whole movie could have been avoided had he have just fallen to the ground also. Yeah, and now our rebel guy, Neo, also doesn't pass out because uh, he he doesn't need to breathe air, I guess, or he can breathe their poison air. But before everybody dies, the air is turned back on at the last second. Um, the two robots who were watching the men in loincloths fight forever, they're like, nope. And they just kill the two loincloth <laughs> yeah. men at the end. Like, nobody wins. Yeah, that's funny. So, Clayton and Neo. <laughs> You're thinking of it, aren't you? <laughs> it's like I just, impossible. I just heard it come out in your voice, Clayton. <laughs> Clayton and Neo approach this father and daughter. And the dad reveals that he is like a scientist. And he's a de- invented a device that they kind of put behind their ear, I guess. And it allows anyone who wears it to breathe through the poison air. How that has anything to do with her ear is a mystery. He's a very intelligent man. Such a genius. And I guess Neo and the folks from wherever he originates are a, and they use the word hybrid race. What they're a hybrid with? Mm, Doesn't matter. Fish? I don't know. Robots? Yeah, maybe some sort of... No, they're not cyborgs. Who knows? Why are they psychic? Maybe fish are psychic. I don't know. But. It's true. It's probably true. We don't know. It is the year 33. <laughs> Anything is possible. Yeah. So this hybrid race, they want to regain control of Power Station. And here's where we hear what, I guess, where Dark One Lives is called is Power Station. Yeah, that's pretty good. That also that sounds like a new metal band. Power Station? Yes. No, it's that shitty band that covered the what? Is there T-Rex. Already? Remember the uh, Bang a Gong Get It On, but it's the like really crappy cover of it? Yeah. Ugh. Is, is that Power that, Station? Isn't that band called Power Station? Probably. I'm way too lazy to look that up. I've already looked something up. I like that the power station is the headquarters of the dark one. It reminds me of Rollerblade. How yeah. there's also, you remember the hand puppet? No. Oh, the evil yes. hand puppet? Mm-hmm. It's also kind of like at a power station, too. This, this movie has hand puppets, don't worry. And Oh, it does. Similarly, um, this power station is basically just a, a junky warehouse that in no way looks like it's underground. Wait, same year. Wasn't Rollerblade 86? Why would I know that? And why do you know that? Oh, well, you know why I would know it. Put something else in your brain. <laughs> no, no. I'm just thinking about how amazing that year is. <laughs> okay. So the dad is taken by the robots because they recognize that he can breathe. Our crew of remaining people, so the daughter, Neo, Clayton... <laughs> And then a, oh no, you did it again. And then a couple of other randos decide they're going to head out into the wasteland. And they're going to go, I guess, rescue the dad. Yes, and the wasteland is just Central Park. It is. And not even like a destroyed Central Park. No, it's just fine. It's just them walking it looks around. okay. Yeah, just a path. It looks okay. So they cross paths with like some mutants and then eventually make their way to a band of warrior women. Yeah, isn't this great that there's so much happening that we can blast past mutants that they came upon? Yeah, mutants, whatever. It's just, okay, cool, there's mutants. Oh, so you got a mutant. (laughs) That don't impress me much. (laughs) Shania would not be impressed by this at all. (laughs) I'm just saying. You make so many Shania references, and I don't think our listeners know that. Uh, You get so many Shania references. Yep. So, anyway... (laughs) They come upon a band of warrior women, and the leader is sitting on a suitcase in an all-leopard-print skin suit, 
And she says, that don't impress me much. Oh, Eric. I was like, she wasn't wearing leopard print. <laughs> <laughs> but I didn't want to correct you. Oh, no. I do love the warrior women. This is cool. This is very um, sorceress. And she, you know, like, anytime you can throw in, uh, you know, any sort of sisterhood type of band that have come together it's always fun they're great they're like uber feminist they explain they don't like men (laughs) they want all men to die they're not just feminists they want like them to be eradicated except for when they can use them yes so they don't want to hear what men have to say and they make that clear they say that they cut out their tongues Mm -hmm. everybody mates with a man and then they kill him and we meet one of the men who has had his tongue cut out. Yes. And he's tied up in the forest. We don't know his name because yeah. he can't tell us. <laughs> he can't. He has nothing to say. And he is this hunk. He's just a, a basically a male model that they hired. Well, he's buff. He's, he's like a bodybuilder. He's a hunk. And he's got his long Fabio hair. He does have... He looks... He does look like a romance, like, book. He definitely model. looks like a romance cover. Yeah. And he's only got his tidy whities Well, it's like Speedos on. Loincloth. And some booties. They look like those, not Uggs, but, well, they're kind of like Uggs. <laughs> it's like he was wearing Speedos and Uggs. <laughs> like futuristic. <laughs> but they're like fuzzy Uggs. Yeah. Fuzzy well, Uggies. Okay. And yeah, maybe that's his name. Okay. Fuzzy Uggy. Let's go for it. So they've crossed paths with this these warrior women, and they indicate this buff dude, Fuzzy Uggy, and <laughs> they have to battle it out now because there are so many men in this group. The women feel hostile towards them because there's only one woman, the daughter of the scientist, and the leader babe decides to battle Neo. Oh, this is so fun because Trinity and Morpheus are looking on. <laughs> Oh, wait, sorry, wrong movie. Anyway, I do like, this is when the Wonder Years um, voiceover comes back in, and they're like, uh, they they put a knife into the ground, and they walk around it, and it's the first to pull out the knife, and then they start battling. It's so fun. It's so silly. And Neo wins, and, like, there's this whole battle agreement. He decides he's going to take uh, Fuzzy Uggies, and the leader warrior lady is also going to lead them to power station. Yes. So this whole crew, they've got a couple new members and they continue on with their journey. Yes. Let's get back to Valeria. Let's please do get back to Valeria. She's busy at the pleasure machine. <laughs> oh, this is probably my favorite scene in the whole movie. It's so funny. This is her reward for a job well done. And it's basically the only motivating factor for her. Except... She didn't get this reward. She's being sneaky about it, remember? She oh, gets yeah. scolded by the dark one afterwards. Valeria, this is not to use. <laughs> like, he's like scolding her like a teenager. It, it, yeah. She, I mean, she's like a teenager. Her whole personality, she's like, what? She does pout a lot. She pouts and is very sassy. It's funny. So she's at the pleasure machine, which is her reward. She stands in in a tube. It's basically all it is, is a tube with lights and a fog machine. As a nude man and woman, sort of, they're in silhouette and they dance outside of the tube. Yeah, they do like interpretive dance while she just stands in the tube topless and lights go around her. Side note, do you remember in undergrad... When we went to, I I lived with a theater major, and we went to her, she had like an interpretive dance class, and they had a performance, and we went to like support her, and we sat down, and one of the dances that went on for, in my mind now, like I think it's still happening, she just laid on the ground in the fetal position, and then she like uh, rocked back and forth. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I that, do remember that. It wasn't my roommate. It was just somebody else in the class. And we had to watch it and be like, this is art. Yeah, I remember that. And then I remember the next college we were at, another friend was in a dancer. And we went to their recital. And there was another interpretive dance. And it had somebody dripping water into a bucket for oh, a really yeah. long time while they danced around it. And we were like, this is art. Well, I don't think we were ever really serious because we laugh about it. And we laughed about hey, it then. I a lot of that I do enjoy, but some of it is you have to have a sense of humor about some of it. I feel like Valeria would have been a really good interpretive dancer. She didn't. She just was in the pleasure tube while other people interpretive danced. Yeah. 
Were they interpreting her pleasure? I kind of feel that way. It was very psychedelic. She didn't seem to be, like, I guess she was in pleasure, but she just kind of was standing there with a neutral face, but whatever. Yeah. I mean, you do you with your face, Valeria. So I guess it was pleasurable. Oh, yeah. Remember, the daughter's dad was captured by robots. We kind of got sidetracked here. And the Dark One really, 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 and I cannot emphasize this enough, the Dark One really wants to know how Pops and daughter were breathing. You know what I love throughout this entire movie? How many times the Dark One says, I want to know how you can breathe. And then everybody just keeps going, no. And yeah. like just refusing to tell him. It's really funny to me that he's this all-powerful, controlling being. And everybody just tells him no over, over and, over. and over. And he has, absolutely can do nothing about he's it. He's totally powerless. But he's like, Valeria, you're going to take the lead on this. I'm going to put you on point. I need you to... Uh, figure out what's going on with the breathing situation and I will reward you with more well-earned pleasure machine. And she's like, cool, I'll do that. Except he does it in the way that's always telling her she's going to get in trouble. You know, don't disappoint me or else. Yeah. (laughs) Always threatening her. (laughs) I mean, he's really pushing her. He has a lot to say. So she's going to get pushed. She's going to be like Christopher Walken. You remember in Envy, that movie? Oh, yeah. When he's laying there, and he's mm-hmm. like, don't hassle me about the crumbs. Yeah, she's being hassled about life's crumbs, for yeah. sure. And it, that never ends well. So she begins interrogating the science dad, and she's not being successful in her interrogation. But it does not stop this from being an incredibly long scene. I can't emphasize that enough. Yeah. It's a really long scene. So meanwhile, our rebels approach the power station, and they decide to enter via underground entrance. And there, they meet our first hand puppet. Actually, well... No, there's another hand puppet. Our first hand puppets, the sewer worms. <laughs> this is what sold you. So let's stop and tell <laughs> our listeners. So every episode, I usually pull a stack of VHS off the shelf and then I let you go through and you read. I try and pick stuff that I think you'd be into. Mm-hmm. And you read the backs and then you tell me which one you want to watch. Mm-hmm. And I had some really good ones. You this, did. Like some ones that people would have probably been happier to hear about. But. <gasps> I secretly was like, trying not to sway you, but thought, please, please, please pick Robot Holocaust. And I didn't think you would. And then you turned to me and you said, they mentioned sewer rats or something like that. Sewer worms. Sewer worms were watching this one. Yep. And it made me really happy. Yep. So we get to this scene. This is what you had hoped for. It was more than I expected. So basically, it's people. So there's a wall. Mm-hmm. It's the sewer wall, I guess. It's like rocks or poop. I don't know. It looks the same. And there are little holes, and people have their arms sticking through the holes, but their arms are wearing worms. <laughs> like rubber worms. With, and I cannot emphasize this enough. Buck teeth. Yeah, it is pretty funny. <laughs> they all do look like they would speak with some sort of southern accent. <laughs> like they've got moonshine. <laughs> totally. Uh, it reminds me of when I was a child, uh, one of the He-Man Masters of the Universe play sets for Hordak has, and I'm looking at it right now, it's that green cave. Mm-hmm. It's the, I think it was called like the Fright Zone or something like that. Cool. And it's got this hole. And it came with a rubber snake that you, a hand puppet, you put it over your hand and then you could shoot the snake through the hole to grab with the figures and pull them in, except it, you know, just fell apart. Basically, it just over the years in the heat in the New Mexico desert, it just completely fell apart. But it originally had that and it reminded me so much of that. This whole scene reminded me of being a child playing with my He-Man play set because it's clearly just a bunch of adults wearing rubber gloves in the shape of buck tooth uh, snakes. It's wild. And it, it's a really long scene. And they are very unthreatening. Like, it's clear they cannot come out of their hole. And yet, I think they still take out one of the, like, randos in their group. And I think they attack another. This is kind of like slow-moving zombies. You have to actively try and get killed. Yeah, you deserve to die by sewer worm (laughs) if they catch you. You're dumb. (laughs) 
mean, just step Imagine back. Imagine that on your tombstone. Died by sewer worm. Please in put the year that. Thirty three. <gasps> Eric. Please put that on my tombstone. I'm going to... You're going to die first, but... Yeah, I will die first. Will you put it on my tombstone? Yes, and then mine. Okay. Right? Oh, but do it more like the Royal Tenenbaums. Be like, died heroically battling sewer worms in the year 33. I will do this for you. In New Terra. Okay. That's where I died. Yes! Okay. I'm like holding you to this. It's agreed. Okay. Let's just buy it now. Our tombstones? Yeah! Yeah, we could do that. Okay, Christmas present. (gasps) Ooh, Aww. mutual Christmas presents. We'll it's just, like gothy and nerdy. I like it. We'll put our tombstones in the closet until the day comes. Yes. Could you imagine our children cleaning out the house after we're dead? Like they've long since moved out. They have their own families. They're old people. We we die and they're like, we have to mm-hmm. deal with mom and dad's estate. And they're going through our stuff and they find in the back of the closet two fully etched marble tombstones that say died by sewer worms. I love that so much. <laughs> Let's make this a reality. You know what's the best part? You know how we're raising our kids right? Yes. Is that they would not even second guess it. No. And to take it a step further, they would 100% put those over our graves. They would. Those are the children we are raising. Oh, let's die together in the year 2133. Oh, that would be awesome. Okay. I'd be like a really deep joke. It would be a really long joke. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Let's do it. And we would be scarily old. I'm glad that we discussed all this on our podcast. We've worked it out. Okay. So we also, so they they make their way through most of them, the sewer worms. And we also have a battle of mute versus mutant. So they've come through the <laughs> sewer worms. Mute versus mutant. The mute work or wins. Yes. Um, Clayton saves the day with a 30 second force field here, too. Oh, that was fun to figure out that he had that ability. Mm-hmm. What would you do with the 30 second force field? Like, when would that be useful? In this situation. Other than this I feel very like, specific circumstance well i feel like in the wasteland and especially in the year 33 in new terra mm, yeah there's probably several instances where you need to create a force field for 30 seconds to run away <laughs> so okay pretty useful fair enough talent actually fair enough and it, we should mention it's the whole classic 80s lightning you know oh yeah drawn on top of the film cell yeah, I it's love it. special. I love everything about it. Let's go back to our interrogation because, like I said, it's a long interrogation and it's still happening. Valeria is trying and failing to get uh, through uh, or get from the dad this breathing apparatus. Like, he, she really wants to know and it's still happening because you thought it was over. It's not. So she decides to shock him. Uh-huh. Doesn't work. Like, electric shock, not by, like, revealing a fun fact. <laughs> she she electrically shocks him. And then she's like, guess what? Now we got to reveal the dark one. But we, the viewers, rest assured, don't get to see the dark one at this point. The dad does, and we just see the horror reflected in his eyes. Well, and what's funny is it goes back to, like I said, the whole theme of this movie where the dad just keeps saying no. He's not going to say anything. She keeps asking, tell us, and he just says no. And I love the idea of an entire movie based around somebody just <laughs> saying no and refusing. It's true. It really, it's pretty he funny. never, he never says anything. Never does. And we'll figure out the consequence of that. Oh, yeah. It's not pretty. Oh, no, it's not. (laughs) So let's go back to our gang. They're shrinking in size because people are dying because they're dumb. They enter now the Vault of Beasts. And one gets immediately caught in a spider web. So, of course, I had to sing the No Doubt song to you about (laughs) walking in a spider web. Uh, Leave a message and I'll call you back. We do see a giant spider leg. One leg. Yeah, it's pretty cool, though. Oh, is it? Yes, of course it is. Okay. So then the crew, after like this spider leg battle, <laughs> they decide they need to rest. So even the freebot uh, Clayton lays down for a rest, which is weird. Does he need to sleep or is he just trying to make his Why does he lay down? humans feel better about he's themselves? He's like reclined. Yeah. What's happening? So he's laying down. And while they rest, one of the randos from their group decides they're going to go ahead. Yeah. Guess what? They're going ahead to die. So 
Also, we should mention now these air slaves, because remember, we talked about them at the beginning. They come back in and they decide they're going to rise up and sabotage the Dark One's uh, fuel supply. Just put a pin in that. What is the name of... Okay, so we have air slaves. We have free bots. Yeah. What's the name of the Dark One's army? Oh, we'll get to it. Just Okay, because they have a fun name, too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, you wrote it down? Yeah, of course. We'll Excellent. get to it. So our main crew gets through the Vault of Beasts, obviously losing one. They find themselves stymied at this point by a gate. Using... <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> using what Clayton describes as an operational mechanism. <laughs> Yeah, uh, we should mention his voice is very high-pitched and goofy. Uh, so he uses an operational mechanism to, I don't know, get through this electrical gate. Uh, but he malfunctions, and thankfully our angry warrior woman knows how to fix him. And they blast the door, they enter, So, and the whole time Valeria's like, Master, they will not get through this. And they <laughs> He's just like, keep Valeria, getting you better not disappoint me. And she's like, I'm not worried about it. But you are going to disappoint me. And she's like, now we've got the guard bots. <laughs> All guard bots, that's what they were. So they come through, they've blasted the door, and they're faced with the guard bots. But guess what the guard bots do? Two of them bail. They're like later days, and they just run away. And the guard bots are just people in plastic costumes that they overdub metal clinking together as they walk. Yeah. Also, all of these robots have clothes on, like fabric. Like they need to cover either nudity or regulate body temperature. That I don't is really true, know. isn't it? Why are they wearing? I really them? thought about that. They don't need robots. Don't need clothes. That's like the whole benefit of being a robot. Yeah. You just are a robot. Yeah. Nude. Proud. I feel like I'm going to start noticing clothes on robots now. I totally reject clothes on robots. It's <laughs> okay. inappropriate. Unless their robot form is shaped like clothes just to make it more palatable for the human experience. Oh, that would be like Joan Rivers bought on, on Spaceballs. Right. She has a dress. Correct. Correct. Yeah. Okay, so Valeria is still confident that they cannot get through the final obstacle, which is a bomb. And our tongueless buff guy, what Fuzzy Uggies, he's leading the way at <laughs> this right. point. And he walks into these wires, not to be confused <laughs> with the earlier spider web, but now he's got wires. And Neo is like, whoa, 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 I know exactly what this is. It's a bomb. And he talks Fuzzy Uggies through disarming the bomb. And it's like, freeze. Do you see? It's like a tin can stapled to the wall. <laughs> yeah. And Fuzzy Uggie's like, he can't talk, but he's nodding. There's so much about this scene I love. Okay, first off, I love that it's actively a bomb that can be triggered with the slightest touch. Of Anything. All, all the wires that are strewn about like a spider web. Yeah, it's like laser wires. If you even barely touch the wire it'll set this bomb off yep and yet the entire party is grouped around or like huddled around the bomb nobody nobody goes how about you two deal with this we'll all go save ourselves in case it goes off instead they're all just standing there looking second i love that it came down to this guy to be the savior like it's all on him to disarm this bomb he does. I mean, he looks like a caveman for sure. I wouldn't have put my money on him. And then third and foremost is how many times he actively smacks the wires while he's acting. You can just see the wires because he's bumping them over and over with his crotch, with his hands. Just bump, bump, bump. Explosion. It should have happened like 14 times. But it times. never does. It's so good. It doesn't. And he like retrieves scissors that apparently Neo had. And he disarms the bomb. It's successful. So now things are obviously getting very serious for the Dark One and all of these bots. And we also learned that the energy reservoir, a term that's been invented, uh, that the air slaves, they're not refilling this energy reservoir. So it's almost em empty. And there's a lot of blaming of Valeria. And she says she'll bring the girl to the Dark One herself like mm -hmm. she's gonna do it valeria is gonna step up 
the guard bots, more guard bots are released. <laughs> My favorite one is the yeah. one with a chain. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, I thought you would like the one that does the helicopter move. That's my second favorite. One just has like a chain and he's just spinning it above his head. It's really funny. You're a robot. Why do you want a chain? You're made of metal. But they come out like a gang, like yeah. an 80s gang. Like, one's got a morning star that he's swinging around. The other has giant blades on his hands. And he, yet, imagine putting your feet together like a little boy and putting your arms out and then spinning in a circle, pretending that your arms are helicopter blades. Yep. That's this robot's move. And overall, it's the slowest fight scene ever. It's like slow-mo punch, slow-mo kick, and like, whoa! And it's not done in slow motion. It's just the actors acting in slow motion. <laughs> it's shockingly long, but a delight. I don't I don't good, want yeah. to dissuade you from watching this. You'll just be like, "Wow. I feel like I feel like I could do that faster." Anyway, at this point Clayton gets caught in a wheel like a Yeah, why did he get caught in it was kind of um a mechanism like um it's like if you were going to open a door and you had to spin a wheel like a steering wheel kind of thing and but he he's just stuck, stuck in it, it for no reason I wonder if there was a scene cut i don't know valeria captures in the melee she captures the daughter and brings her to the dark one so she does did like she said and the dark one's like psych still done with you valeria and she makes a break for it because the dark one's like, guess what? You're done for. I don't care that you brought me the daughter after that's exactly what I told you to do. This was the fatal mistake of the dark one. So mm -hmm. he had been pushing her, right? Yep. Been pressing those buttons this entire movie. Oh, yeah. And this was the moment where he pushed one too far. And So she makes a break for it, but somehow kind of weirdly gets her face burned. Well, yeah, because he blows it up. Kind of blows what up? That's and, unclear. And it's the the grand reveal. And it's revealed, yeah, she's a robot. <laughs> but she's still got her sexy body and outfit, just a robot face. Though that face it's is pretty cool. Pretty remarkable. It's the eyes. It's like how is the actress looking? Yeah. Because it's got weird bubble eyes. It's, <laughs> it's really cool. So she's upset, obviously. Yeah. She feels betrayed. Like you would. As a robot does with emotions. No more pleasure machine. And she decides she's going to set a timer to blow in five minutes. Our fight scene is still going on. So we've got more. More people have to die. Fuzzy Uggies. He gets a chest slash. And he like dies. a scratch on his chest. He dies. And I was shocked because Clayton was disproportionately upset. So many people have died, but Clayton was really upset yeah. about Fuzzy Uggie's death. How, what if I, let me, let me put this in your ear. Okay. What if Fuzzy Uggies was able to speak telepathically with the robot and we just didn't hear it? Oh, like they were having their own private conversations? And that's why he was close to him. That's fair. That's fair. I think that's good. Now, the dark one, he has the daughter. He has the science dad. He has the daughter. And he begins to argue with her, which honestly seems pretty unimportant at this point because he knows that there's only like a minute now left until the explosion happens. Who cares why they can breathe? Why is she being interrogated? Because it's all almost over because Valeria set a bomb to yeah. like go off that really struck me this whole movie was a build-up to this and he's really just bent on figuring out why they can breathe it's because he was told no it's the classic case of he got told no for the first time in his life mm -hmm. and he cannot let it go and neo meanwhile you're like why isn't neo helping helping it's because he's still in the longest fight scene in cinematic History. It's still happening in slow motion that's not slow motion. Is this when we finally get the big reveal of what? the dark one? Yes. So Neo survives. Our warrior woman dies, sacrificing herself for Neo. So right. we're down to Neo and Clayton and the, the science guy's daughter. Right. So here we are. And it's time. 
It is time, because this is like the last card to play. So, back to business with a girl, Valeria and the Dark One reveal. They're like, let's show her her pops. Because Valeria just decided to change plans. So, she's trying to kill the Dark One. And then she's like, never she's mind. Like, never mind. It's in my best interest to not kill you. Oh, yeah, because the the timer on the explosion was shut off when the warrior woman was killed. Because <laughs> yeah. she, like, bumped it. So, Valeria reveals the scientist daughter's dad to her, who has been taken over by the Dark One. This yes. is, like, straight out of Terror Vision. So, he's been engulfed. It's like a head inside of, like, a pulsating egg shape. Yeah, with he's these been... weird uh, arms kind of sticking out, like these formations behind him. It's something. He's been engulfed by the Dark One, and I guess this is kind of weird, is the Dark One not a robot? Because this is an organic being. Yeah, I, I'm assuming not. It, clearly, he's not. He's he's organic. And doesn't matter. Also, I have one more question. Okay. So there's this whole dialogue about how all of their questions will be answered, whether or not they say anything once fully consumed by the Dark One. Yes. He's already up to Dad's head, Science Dad's head. Mm-hmm. Like, he just needs to, like, do one more, like, bloop. Yeah. And he's got the information. Why is he bothering with interrogating his daughter? It feels like it's taken a while. It's been a- I mean, honestly... Why didn't they do that in the first place? Who cares about the daughter? Who cares what Valeria does? Gulp him down and figure it out. I feel like because he wants to hear her say it. He's so hung up on it. He's got some control issues. He definitely, yeah, the dark one has control issues. Anyway, more fighting continues. And Valeria, who has switched back to the dark one side with her weird robot face, she decides she's going to shut off the air to these air slaves. Again, for no reason. So, Clyden battles Valeria. He kills her. And Neo and some other, like, main robot are still fighting, but Neo wins. Clyden gives Neo a gun. Like, why didn't he have this gun earlier? <laughs> yeah, Seems like weird. it would have been mighty useful at several <laughs> points in the storyline. And Neo uses the gun to kill the Dark One. But here's the problem. When he kills Dark One... Pops is going to die, too. Science dad. and yeah, but it's what has to happen. Yeah, he's already consumed up to the neck. I mean, what else is going to yeah, happen? You want your dad's head? to just You're going to like take care of your dad's head? Yeah, but the daughter's real salty about it. Yeah, she's so ungrateful. She's rude. I'm like, you didn't do it. You didn't step up and kill your dad's head. Yeah, and the dad's head was saying, like, come on, girl, kill my head. I'm a head in an egg sack. Yeah. And instead of being, you know, thankful. No. She just lays on the. She guilt trips Neo. Yeah, she's really passive aggressive about the whole thing. But if you're worried, too, about these air slaves, don't worry. Um, Just randomly walking by some gauge, Clayton is like, oh, whoopsie. And he turns the gauge back on and all of the slaves, air slaves who have been collapsing slowly on the floor are like, And breathe. Yes, and they've been without oxygen for... Several minutes. And they don't have brain damage. No. They just stand up and go about their business. They are. They're like, yay! Actually, they start shouting about how they're free. (laughs) How would they know? Aren't they supposed to be, like, miles away underground? (laughs) Okay. I didn't even think about that. Yeah. They're shouting, freedom! Freedom! Right. Okay, yeah. Maybe they're just free to breathe. I don't know. Our science daughter, she's salty with Neo about having killed Egg Sack Science Dad. Uh Uh-huh. And she's like, I'm going to go back to my people and lead them and teach them how to breathe air with my dad's science. Uh Uh-huh. And Neo's like, oh, okay. I thought we were going to hook up. (laughs) Totally. Yeah, it's a pretty ultimate cold shoulder. So anyway, he's like, I guess I'll go back to where I came from. So this was basically a fool's errand for him. He gained nothing. Except he did find a new friend in Clyden. Yeah, but he, he like saved everybody. Yeah. And just because he killed her dad, she wouldn't hook up with him. It's fine. 
I, I mean, know. she wasn't that great. She was just kind of lame anyway. Yeah, it's true. He could so do better. Our narrator comes back in and he's like, now it's time to build new Terra. And <laughs> Neo goes back to where he came from and he's going to, I guess, bring his friends back. I don't know. It just ends abruptly after that. Okay. <laughs> I mean, what more do you need? So if you're feeling like, why did I even take this journey? As I listen to this podcast, that's what is going to happen when you watch this movie. But you should still watch it. Yeah. The journey was worth taking. Is It is. Whether or not, not all paths lead to an end. It's like running on a treadmill. Yeah. You don't go anywhere, but you did something. <laughs> <laughs> right? Okay. What did you think of Robot Holocaust? I loved it. It was so stupid. Yeah. It, it was It was really dumb. Are we, how did you feel second watch? Oh, this isn't second watch. This is probably my fourth watch now. What a weirdo. Okay. What did you Why feel about Why is that about? weird? Did you not just listen to everything we just said? Yeah. I Why like, would I not watch that multiple times? I feel like two watches in a lifetime is good. Oh, you're missing out. Nah. I won't reveal some movies that you've seen much more than twice <laughs> that I could definitely bring up. Shame on you. Um, I really enjoy this movie. It's so dumb. It's really fun. It's classic 80s sci-fi nonsense. Like, it just, it checks a lot of boxes that make watching movies enjoyable when you don't want to take things too seriously. So if you're mm -hmm. just looking for something goofy to pass the time, watch it. Because there's a lot of funny scenes in this. It's, it's pretty ridiculous. It's over the top. Honestly, I'm pretty shocked that it's a porn director because there's like two nipples in this and that's it. Yeah, it is a surprise. You'd think, I don't know. I'm assuming his first film that he did for this uh, Breeders probably has a bit more nudity. You know, as, as you mentioned that at the beginning, I was thinking as I was preparing for this episode, how the director of Dr. Caligari would have made that pleasure tube a lot or pleasure machine a lot more interesting. And it's yeah. funny because porn director, but yeah, well, like really drop the ball on that. Yeah. Well, the difference is Stephen, who did uh, Dr. Caligari was like this weird art house director. Yeah, of so course. yeah, versus just a typical porn director. So it would have been way more artistic to begin with. Yes. Anyway. Yeah. Boy, imagine this film directed by him. So I think the takeaway here is robots wearing clothes is inappropriate. Yes. And almost like reverse offensive. Yeah. The other takeaway is you will get brain damage if you're deprived of oxygen for 10 to 15 minutes. Absolutely. And if you are consumed up to the neck by the dark one, just let go. Yeah. And if some guy steps in and saves humanity... Maybe be a little grateful. Yeah. Put out. <laughs> okay. Well, that's Robot Holocaust, 1986. Um, oh, wait. No, 87. Oh, shoot. I thought it was 86 the whole time. Oh. Dang it. Well, you know what? The Dark One would be disappointed. Uh, technically speaking, this was filmed in 86. Nerd. So I was right the whole time. So wrong. <laughs> Do you really think it took them more than a year to write and film and produce this entire? It took... No, it's about distribution. 32 it's that they days. made it and then they had to figure out somebody willing to put it out. 32 days. This does have a lightning logo on the back, though. I don't know what the story is there. There must have been some partnership. I don't know and I don't care. I know you don't care. Okay, well, <laughs> that's Robot Holocaust from apparently 1987, even though it was filmed in 86. And um, I don't know where you can watch it. I don't, I don't know where it's streaming. Uh, just we don't know anything. There's probably on Blu-ray by now. Ask Valeria. Yeah, she'll know. Yeah, Actually, Clyden would know. He would know. Okay. Uh, no, I'm not going to do it. You just tried to you tried to rope me into some Australian. I sent you a psychic message, Neo style. Yeah, you did. Okay, here's my psychic message to you. Thank you. Oh, I was telling you to, to sign off this episode. Oh, bye. No, you can't do that, Brian. <laughs> okay, if you like what you hear, don't even... 
150 episodes. Why would you try? I don't know. What's don't wrong know what with I'm you? Doing. If you like what you heard, you can check out all of our back episodes at lasergraves.com. You can follow us on Instagram at lasergraves. And then we get to say bye. Okay. I'm going to put on my pumpkin helmet. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. <laughs>